Hello and good day, magnificent podcast family. What a privilege and honor to be with you today. We have another tremendous episode of the show. We have the man, P.A. Straubinger on, and we are really getting deep on this one. We are talking about breatharianism, exploring if people can really live without food and intermittent fasting. So this is a very fascinating episode. P.A. made an incredible documentary on breatharianism. You can check it out. It is called In the Beginning, There Was Light, where he did scientific research. He interviewed people. He interviewed doctors and he explored if breatharianism is real and in this episode we explore some of the things that he discovered so one of the questions i ask is is breatharianism real does he think it's actually possible scientific studies done on people who claim that they don't eat uh that they don't eat uh the fourth phase of water intermittent fasting uh the grandmaster of bigu the energy of nature uh, the work of wilhelm reich why we why uh, we eat the information in the food, why we overeat, wh- uh, how and why to overcome, or why and how to overcome uh, addictions, placebo effect, the work of Rupert Sheldrake, Jeepers Gripe, and so much more. So I was just going through the notes, and there is so much in this episode. I know you're going to enjoy it. If you like it and you want to support, please take a screenshot, share on Instagram, share on Facebook, tag me at Matt Belair, leave a review in iTunes. They help so much. If you just take a moment, go to iTunes and leave a quick review review um also patreon if you want to toss a buck in the bucket no amount is too small even a buck really helps and i want to thank so much palm wondrous who uh, who who tossed a buck in the bucket i really appreciate you for just taking a moment going to patreon.com forward slash matt belair and helping out it does go in tremendously long way to help support the show and keep this going so thank you thank you so much uh, but the best thing that you can do if you want to support the show is one kind act for another human being today even better would be to take the kindness challenge three kind acts a day for a week ideally for the rest of your life but a week is a great start and uh go out of your way to do it don't tell anybody and let me know how it goes some people who've been taking this kindness challenge and have written me have had a very incredible experience and I call it a universal wink. Usually something strange will happen that is just for you, a a serendipity, a synchronicity, just to kind of let you know that, okay, like you're on the right track, you're exploring mindfulness, uh, human potential, collaboration, uh, group consciousness, all these different concepts. But when you are actually in the action of doing something kind, you're putting the rubber meets the road, you're actually taking action, you're doing something. So no matter what you believe, what you're back ground is, where you are in the process, how much you meditate or don't meditate, how good your diet is or isn't. Um, If you do a kind act, you really are uh, walking the walk when it comes to the spiritual road. So I invite you guys to take that and I appreciate all of you guys who are doing that. Um, For those of you guys who are interested in coaching and you really want to dive deeper, if you're interested in uncovering your life purpose, breaking through limitations, beliefs, and learn how to program and design your preferred reality mentally, spiritually, emotionally, and physically and environmentally out in the real world uh, to demystify peak performance, law of attraction, all things mystical, and learn the tools, systems, and strategies of the world's elite entrepreneurs and athletes, hit me up, matt at zenathlete.com or fill out the coaching form, mattbelair.com forward slash coaching. And if you want me to come into your organization, you want to do a training in anything, consciousness, mindfulness, meditation, law of attraction, peak performance, anything that you'll see in the Zen Athlete book, anything around uh, mental programming, just hit me up. I can design something specifically for you and your staff to help and to support 
support and to create a greater group coherence if you are working with other people. So again, just hit me up, matt at zenathlete.com, and I am happy to help you out. I want to thank real quick my sponsor for this episode, Procabulary.org. They are a fantastic course on the power of language. It is a must for personal development and understanding really how to use language, both inner and outer, our internal dialogue to really have a powerful effect to create a reality. And if you go to Procabulary.org and use the checkout code WORDMAGIC, you will get $100 off the program. I highly recommend it. It is a fantastic course. So that's it. Sign up for the email list at mattbelair.com. And uh, let's just get into this incredible episode. So wherever you are in the world, just stop what you're doing. Take in a deep breath in through your nose. Hold that breath. And just let it out slowly, filling every cell and every muscle and every fiber of your, your being with peace, joy, empowerment, connection, and ready to take on this amazing episode with P.A. Straubinger. Hello and welcome to the Mastermind, Body, and Spirit Show. I'm your host, Matt Belair. Today's guest is a graduate with honors from the renowned University of Music and Performing Arts in Vienna. He has more than two decades of experience as a journalist for the Austrian Broadcasting Corporation. A personal encounter in the spring of 2000 awakened his interest in the strange topic of breatharianism. He met a meditation teacher who allegedly had not eaten for more than a year. Still skeptical, he started a 10-year journey of research that took him around the globe. Searching for traces of evidence and skeptical scrutiny of this human mystery, 200 hours of footage were edited into a 90-minute feature documentary, In the Beginning, There Was Light. It premiered at the International Film Festival in Cannes and became one of the most influential and successful feature documentaries in Austrian cinema history. When it was shown in prime time on national television, viewership outnumbered Hollywood blockbusters like Harry Potter. He is a journalist, keynote speaker, and meditation trainer around the world. Currently, he has a number one best-selling book in Austria called The Fountain of Youth Effect, How 16 Hours of Fasting Can Change Your Life. Welcome to the show, P.A. Straubinger. Hi, Matt. Great to be in your show. Thank you. I'm so excited you're here. I watched your documentary and it's amazing. And it's exactly the questions that I had the second that I read the autobiography of a yogi, which you referenced in the documentary, where apparently one of these yogis is living on no food and no water. Yeah, it's a strange <laughs> phenomenon that we find all over the world throughout all cultures. And it's not uh, this, this crazy phenomenon out of the esoteric circles of the 90s, but we actually find it in the Christian tradition. We find it with yogis in India. We find it with uh, Qigong masters in, in China, in Tibet, everywhere. And norm, the normal reaction is, okay, this is uh, just some religious story. And uh, for example, the Swiss national saint, uh, he, it is said that he did not eat for the last uh, 20 years of his life, that he did not eat and drink for the last 20 years of his life. And in the 90s, I saw a documentary about him and I thought, okay, this is a religious story and you have to 
perceive this symbolically or something like that. But as you said, I met uh, in, in the year spring 2000, I met a meditation teacher and uh, I took meditation classes with him. And after a while, I heard from other students, do you know that he does not eat? And <laughs> so, so I asked him and, you know, I, I never really took this seriously. And he said, yeah, that's true. Um, I made this strange process and uh, now for more than a, a year I did not eat. And I have, be, before we talk about this topic, I have to say, please don't do it. Just because you hear about this, please don't stop eating and drinking. <laughs> Probably you will die if you just do this. So uh, when we talk about this phenomenon, it's important to understand that this is nothing... Uh, uh, a goal you have to achieve for something like this. All the people who do this permanently told me they would start immediately if they would feel hunger or thirst. So this seems to be a kind of um, epiphenomenon or not epi, but a, a, side, a kind of side effect of a certain state. And uh, scientifically, we do not know to which extent this goes. So the longest study we have is an Indian called Hiraratan Manik for 411 days, just drinking water, no calories, and he lost 19 kilos during these 411 days. So that's a lot longer than uh, medicine normally thinks we can live without food. But as he lost 19 kilos, this shows that, you know, he, that there is a little loss of energy during this time. Um, we have to understand when we talk about this phenomenon that this guy was locked uh, in a room. And perhaps we can talk a little later that also these people are nourished from the surrounding, but not via the uh, way of food, but uh, by uh, the light of life, prana, chi, uh, the life energy. And the life energy uh, is uh, more present in nature, for example. Uh, so, I will talk about this a little later, uh, that the, the, the life energy is a very, uh, the life energy is the biggest mystery uh, on this planet Earth. And here my wife is just coming. <laughs> Completely naked. I, I don't know. If <laughs> Make sure the camera is down. <laughs> That's a pleasant distraction for the show. <laughs> life continues. Yeah, life continues. Life happens. <laughs> well, what I wanted to j jump in there and make a comment because, yeah. you know, you've already touched on so many fascinating things. And, and it's interesting because in your documentary, you have scientific studies of people claiming that they're breatharians, that they don't need 
food or water, um, then they're, they're held in scientific circumstances. But one of the points you made in the documentary where um, they did lose the kilos, I think that's such an important view because they're saying, look, like, I'm not eating food, but I'm being nourished. I'm being nourished by the sun. I'm being nourished by the environment. And there's work of Dan Winter. If you look him up, he, he has some really fascinating videos. I, he's a physicist. I barely understand what he's saying, but I've watched all of his stuff. But one of the things he'll constantly say is he'll talk about dead buildings. He's just like, you're working in a dead building with fluorescent light, like burning your energetic system. And yes. so when that person is sitting in a room, in a concrete room. And then there's also a correlation between um, being on the ground level versus uh, 30th floor. The higher you go up, there's a correlation in the amount of disease you have. So there's definitely real information and science that we know that being in the environment helps you physically, emotionally, in the spiritual body. So if you're in a, in a, in a hospital bed, you're not going to be nourished the same way as if, as if you're outside. That's the point. And uh, now you you already told so much what people don't understand normally when we talk about this topic. That um, in 2013, it was funny, uh, a scientist from the University of Washington called me and said uh, he heard about my documentary and this is really interesting if he could watch it uh, in, in the English version and I sent him a copy and then he said wow this is really interesting I have an explanation for you how this works and Uh, The guy was Professor Gerald Pollack from the University of Washington, uh, a biophysicist, and he's doing research on water. And he found a force phase of water beside liquid, uh, uh, solid, and vapor. And this force phase of water is our body water. It's called EC water. It's highly structured water. It's it's the water in our cells. And this water has negative charge, negative electric charge. And at the University of Washington, they were even able to build a water battery just made out of water, of this force phase of water and normal liquid water. And they produced electricity out of that. And he said that this this force phase of water is charged by light it can be also infrared light and this was a very interesting missing link that i i found uh, because when you remember uh, in the film i interviewed this uh, chinese monks in the wudang mountains because in, in the Wudang Mountains, they have the oldest scriptures about this breatharian lifestyle. There they call it Bigu. Bigu Fu Chi means without bread, but only through Chi. And this grandmaster said, uh, you should not uh, 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 live on Bigu in the cities, because in the cities, uh, the chi fields are not ordered and you only should practice bigu where the chi fields are ordered and where you have a lot of negatively charged uh, ions. And I didn't understand this because there was a, a, a kung fu monk in the middle of China talking to me about negatively charged iron. It, doesn't ma- it didn't make sense for me. But finally, with this research from Professor Pollack, which came three years after I released the film, 
I suddenly had this missing link. He said, the negatively charged ions we find in the woods, near waterfalls, in nature. And what you said on the ground, grounding is very important. It's not only the light of, of the sun, it's also grounding. You can be in a cave, be nourished by this light of life and uh, these negatively charged ions. So it's very important to understand that the surrounding is very important. Uh, how these people are char uh, charged by, by the environment. And uh, it's an explanation why these people so often underperform in, in uh, scientific studies because they are locked in, in hospitals, in concrete walls, they get air from the air condition with positively charged ions. It's dark or they have no direct sunlight normally. And especially they are surrounded by concrete walls which produce positively charged ions. And so it's like trying to find evidence for being able to sail in an indoor swimming pool. It just won't work. So, it would be necessary to do these studies in completely different surroundings and with different protocols. But science has this idea that we work like machines. This, this idea that the human body is just a combustion engine comes from the 18th century. Antoine Lavoisier, the father of modern chemistry, uh, put forth his theory in 1777. And there he said, uh, the, the, uh, the, the combustion processes in machines are more or less the same as the metabolism in organisms. So you have, uh, uh, you need oxygen, you need fuel and you produce energy and waste products. And he said it's more or less the same in machines and in living beings. And this fitted in very well with these upcoming ideas of the age of enlightenment, meaning that uh, the nature, all, all organisms work chemically. On my website, lightdocumentary.com, I have a picture of this. I don't know if, if you saw this. I, I have there an article uh, called The Tale of uh, Man as a Machine. And there we see this picture of the digesting duck. And in, this, in the 18th and 17th century, they, they thought that uh, they will be able to build uh, animal machines and up to now we have to understand that science cannot produce one living cell not talking about complex organisms they cannot produce one single living cell and we are built out of billions of these cells and we have to understand that we work completely different from machines. And in the col uh, collective consciousness, in the collective consciousness, there is still the idea that we are machines. When we talk about our brains, we, we, we talk about computers and 
when we talk about our bodies, we, we talk about machines, but we are no machines. We are organisms. And we work completely different. And the funny thing is that the, the, the idea of the calories so that we are just living by calories is still in our brains. But there is evidence now 40 years old that shows that the calorie, calorie mathematics uh, are, are completely unscientific. In 1973, there was published uh, an article in Nature, so the, the most renowned scientific journal in the world. It was called, How Much Food Does Man Require? And the bottom line was, we don't know, because, it, because it's completely different from one person to another and from one situation to another. And in the 19th century, they, they tried to find evidence for, for this idea that we work like combustion engines. And they, they had uh, very bad machines, this calorimeters, and they did not work very well. But in the 1950s and 60s, when they went to space, they had to uh, calculate very exactly how much oxygen needs somebody, how much carbon dioxide, how much calories they need in space. And Dr. Paul Webb uh, built for NASA highly sophisticated calorimeters. And he, he started to, to measure the human uh, energy balance very exactly. And he found out that he, he, he says in, in, in one of his papers, the, the better the measurement, the higher is the evidence for uh, energy amounts uh, that you cannot explain calorically. And in 1980, he published a paper where uh, he compared direct and indirect calorimetry. So he measured how much oxygen is going in and how much carbon dioxide is going out. And he compared this with the energy actually produced. And he found out that up to 23% of the energy in, in humans, completely normal humans, we are not talking about protharians here, is uh, calorically non-explainable. So up to 23% uh, of the energy in, in human bodies uh, is coming out of nowhere, or at least science cannot explain it. Of course, the Chinese medicine can explain it or the Indian medicine can explain it. They tell us that the life force, chi or prana, uh, is of course also coming through food and oxygen, but also directly via the skin. And this amount of direct chi or direct prana differs from person to person, from situation to situation. And we also have a chance to influence it. And another study uh, showed that this amount of Dr. Paul Webb called it unmeasured energy. So this energy that cannot be explained by calorie mathematics, this unmeasured energy is uh, bigger if you eat less. And this is what happens when you do fasting. Everybody who is doing fasting knows 
that in the first few days you lose a lot of weight and then the curve is going more flat and you lose less weight. So uh, our, our body obviously starts to get uh, energy from different sources. And now it's, uh, it's, it's getting very interesting because it shows that uh, we, we do not work like a car that needs always the same time uh, amount of fuel, but we have different possibilities. And we, we, we also see that this idea of calorie mathematics is completely unscientific. It's, it's like... Um, if, if we try, if, if I try to, to weigh my, my weight and uh, it says, you know, a, a guy like you has to uh, have 72 kilos, but I can have 30 kilos more or 30 kilos less. So uh, it's completely, calorie mathematics are not, not scientific and we have to we, we can be more relaxed when it comes to, to eating. And in the last few years, um, because I remember when I did my, my interviews in, in the, between 2005 and, and 2010, most doctors said to me, fasting is complete nonsense. And in 2016, uh, there came... Uh, this Nobel Prize, the Medicine Nobel Prize for autophagy. Autophagy is this process, this fasting process that appears when the cell does not get food. And in, in, in former days, they th thought this is dangerous, but they found out that this process, this fasting phenomenon of autophagy is the best medicine for the body. It prevents cancer, it helps to prevent Alzheimer's disease and many other diseases. And also the, the, the cell uh, does not age that fast. So that is also the reason why, it's, why our book is called The Fountain of Youth Effect. Because by fasting, uh, you age less and um, you get healthier. So, uh, when we talk about this phenomenon of, of breatharianism, we have to understand that this is not a discussion about black and white. This is not about uh, eating 2,000 calories a day or nothing. We have a big range between these two extremes. And we also have to understand that in the Western world, we eat too much. Of course, there are still people starving, but the World Health Organization said that 2.2 billion of people suffer from uh, the effects of overeating. In the West, we eat too much and we eat too much of the wrong stuff. And I always say we, we have to understand that food has two different, um, is, is able to nourish us in two different ways. The first way is it nourish uh, us uh, physically, which is important, of course, but 
In the Western world, it's even more important that it nourishes our emotional body. So if we eat sugar, for example, chocolate, uh, all these fat, sweet stuff, it, doesn't, it, it is not good for our physical body. It's a drug for our emotional body. But most people mix up these two things. If we have uh, this idea of calorie mathematics in mind, where we think about, yeah, I need sugar to burn it, to get energy. No, it doesn't give you energy. It only produces fat. And it's a lot better if you take these calories in form of fresh uh, food and uh, vegetables and yeah, fresh, healthy food. And there is a book by a Russian a doctor uh, that is called We Eat Ourselves to Death. And uh, she says that about three to 400 calories a day, uh, a day of fresh food would be enough. I don't know if, if this is true, but uh, I know as I do now inter uh, intermittent fasting for uh, 10 years, I can tell this is really very easy and it makes you healthier and happier. So this is something all of us can do if we want. And uh, these people who allegedly do not eat for years or decades, they are just an inspiration. We, we do not need to achieve this or this does not need to be a goal. Um, but it also shows us that this materialistic idea, uh, this materialistic worldview uh, um, is, is just an idea. It's, it's not the truth. And uh, that's also one of the messages I want to uh, tell with my film is that I, I want to question this materialistic worldview, this mechanistic materialistic worldview that says our mind and our soul is nothing but an epiphenomenon of our uh, brain activity peter wow you said so much there man i wanted to dive yeah. in like you know i told you like, i talk and talk it's no, good it's great because there's so many uh, relevant points that when you continued you know there's so many things to touch on but you know the first one about like life force energy chi and the energy that we're consuming that we're not measuring and so it's interesting that the eastern they account for that and they believe like, no, there is something here and there's a force we're accounting for. And when I studied with indigenous elders, um, you know, they, uh, David Lombard had this one where it's a B and his words are all, uh, um, what are the anagrams? Like whether it's B earth's energy and that's what it stands for. It's like B in peace. I mean, B earth's energy. And when you said that, I was like, I wonder how many other ways we're being nourished, sun, trees, however, our body's functioning, the energetic field, we're, we're an electromagnetic field. So we're ob obviously picking up signals from different things. So also the inner light, you know, uh, mm. we are nourished from the outside and from the inside because, uh, in, in, in my film, when you remember, I, I, I met Dean Radin at the Institute of Noetic uh, Sciences in, in Petaluma, and, and he's a consciousness researcher, and I asked him, is, is there an explanation from the view of, of consciousness research? And he said that, what is consciousness? Consci consciousness is an ordering principle 
And if this ordering principle leaves the body, we very quickly fall apart in completely uninteresting materialistic substances, the, the dust we, we read about in the Bible. So the interesting stuff is the consciousness. And this consciousness, this information is coming from the outside. Why uh, there's one explanation, I, uh, when you remember uh, Fritz Albert Popp, he did the biophoton research. W what are biophotons? Biophotons is a very weak light emission we find in all living cells. And when the cell dies, it's the light of life, actually. When the cell dies, this light disappears. It's a very, very weak uh, radiation light uh, uh, and then you only see it if you enhance it technically but it's not the quantity of light it's the information that is encoded in there and Fritz Albert Popp says that the Sun uh, emits this coherent information that is stored in, in uh, the plants and indirectly in, in animals when we eat that we, we digest it, and he explains it, for example, with the uh, chemical formula of sugar. You can divide the chemical formula of sugar in H2O, water, and carbon dioxide, uh, CO2. Both uh, leave the body. What stays is the light. The light is the important substance that nourishes us, the, the information that is in the food. And of, of course, there are biochemical processes, but the most important is the information. And Fritz, uh, Fritz Albert Popp says that what I mentioned earlier, uh, we, we, uh, we uh, it's not, I have to translate it correctly, it's not billion cells, it's trillion cells in English. You know, we, we, uh, our, our body, uh, our body is a conglomerate of trillions of cells. And every single cell is a single living being. And these trillions of being decide to produce this human being. And Fritz Albert Popp said it, it, it's completely naive to think that these trillions of living beings are, are organized by enzymes and, and chemicals. It only works with light. And so this, this light and the information, the coherent energy that is stored in, in this light is what we are living by. That's the, the, the light of life. And we get it from the outside, but also from the inside. So coherence, we know from meditation, for example, that what we do in meditation is we create order. That's the reason why, uh, and, and there are so many studies that meditation works on all levels, also on the, on the physical level, because meditation creates order. There is this saying, when we pray, we talk to God, but when we meditate, talk uh, God, talks to us and uh, we can uh, change now the word God to, uh, uh, to, to transcendence or uh, to uh, uh, 
uh, how's the word, uh, collective unconsciousness. So it, it, it doesn't matter. But there is a, a, a place, we, we do not rule by our brain, by our ego, but where we get this, this order. And when, when we meditate, we, we, uh, we get connected to this place. And there we get this order. And in, in India, they, they call it the Kundalini energy that raises up. And nearly or all of the people I interviewed who do this have some sort of meditation practice they had an epiphany or something like that. So the state of mind, the con consciousness has a lot to do with this phenomenon of, of Protherianism. But we also have to understand it's not only the inner light that nourishes up, it's also the outer light. So it's, it's a mixture and uh, it's it's nothing only a few yogis uh, live by, but everybody. So I always say it's important to understand we are all living on light. And by light, I mean the light of life, not the electromagnetic wave spectrum of, of classical physics, but the light of life, the life energy. And it's the biggest mystery. Science has no idea what it is, how it works. There, there was, uh, I don't know if you know Wilhelm Reich. Wilhelm Reich tried to bring this idea of life energy into the scientific discussion of the 20th century. And what happened to him? First, the, the Nazis burned his book in Germany. He, he was Austrian. And then he, he went to the United States. This was... Okay, everybody says, uh, we understand that. The Nazis were crazy and, and, and uh, Wilhelm Reich was a Jew and, and criminals. But then he went to the United States and the Food and Drug Administration burned his books. So his books were burned twice in the 20th century because this guy was talking about organ. There was a trial uh, where Wilhelm Reich said that uh, a, a charge is not allowed to take scientific discussion, uh, to, to take decisions in, in scientific discussions. So he went to jail and he died in jail. So what we see here is that there is a big blind spot in, 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 in science. And an Ayurvedic doctor once said to me, in, also in reverence to Wilhelm Reich, because Wilhelm Reich said that uh, uh, science is necrophilic. They always have to kill things before they can study them. So if we look at something at uh, the uh, electronic microscope, I think it's an electronic microscope, we first have to kill it to watch it. And an Ayurvedic doctor once says to me, the reason why a classical medicine does not understand these ideas of organ, prana, chi, these life energy things, because uh, their big achievement was uh, to, to dissect corpses. So they understood how the mechanical parts in the body worked, but uh, 
they they looked at dead bodies so it's no wonder so their their know-how evolved from corpses so for for this this ayurvedic doctor that was the explanation why they don't understand about the life force and about this energetic processes in the body while the the chinese medicine and the indian medicine they they only work with this life energy flow in acupuncture and uh, ayurvedic doctors work with prana and so on and nadis and I don't say that uh, classical medicine is bad or anything like that. I, I, I think it's important they come together and uh, that we finally are, are able to, to see uh, uh, science uh, as a very helpful tool, but not, uh, not as a, a philosophy. You know, the materialistic philosophy... Uh, took science as a hostage for for their ideas and i think it's very important to to open up and uh understand that we hardly know anything and um we can allow a lot of things yeah man well you again you said so many great things that i want to kind of touch on because i think they're all important and really it's fundamental belief systems around uh just materialism like we're physical bodies in a physical manifestation yet um when you take a particle all the way down all of a sudden particles disappear and reappear and so we don't know what's going on with that and i like how you're talking about how the light has information and also water carries information and we're kind of informational beings you know i don't i don't know how, where i heard this or what i'm trying to say but it's like it's something along memory if you didn't have memory then you wouldn't be like kind of cognizant of your existence as you move forward it would be you know you're you'd be aware of this moment but memory and that information is is a great part of like your consciousness and it kind of expands over time with memory so memory is very fascinating too and it just changes so we're getting all of these uh different informational inputs and i think that what you're suggesting here is like hey you know it's not that you have to not eat um the understanding here is checking the paradigm of your reality because one of the other fundamental things that you mentioned is that the the west and many other places overeat and it puts them in lethargy it puts them in illness it puts them in sickness and decay and anger and all that and and i don't know what the reason for that is um and you know why we do it culturally you know whether we go down like conspiracy rabbit holes or you know just overeating and things like that but it's important to look at it's it, it, you know? it's it's a drug. We it's self medication. Yeah, drug, yeah. And yeah. The, there is a, a, a great book by Bruce Alexander, the globalization of addiction, and uh, I, it's it's very interesting because I our our ideas about addiction also come from a very materialistic worldview. It's it's coming from B. F. Skinner. And, and uh, his, his ideas are that we are materialistic beings, you know, and uh, you, 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 they had these Kinder boxes with rats in it, and they gave him uh, normal water and uh, water with uh, heroin, and they found out that once these, these rats start to drink the heroin water, they didn't 
stop and they died because they overdosed. And Bruce Alexander looked at these laboratories and when, when you look in, in, in my workshops, I always show these pictures of the cages of, of, of the rats. And we have to understand the rats are social beings and they, they are held as, as prisoners in, 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 in dark uh, cages. And the only thing you can do there is overdose yourself with uh, heroin. So Bruce Alexander said, okay, perhaps this has something to do with the way these rats are held. So he built Rat Park. It's like a paradise for rats where they could have sex and play. And it, it was beautiful. It was a paradise for rats. And he, he gave him the same choice again, clear water and water with heroin. And see what? They, they didn't overdose anymore. When they tried it, they left it and, and drank the clear water. And so what's, what's coming out from there is we, we take drugs if we, we have big problems. And uh, we have this big addiction problem in our world because we are not held correctly. Because we have to function. We have to function and we have to produce effects and we are seen as machines and not as human beings, as living beings. And that's the problem in, 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 in our world and, and probably everybody knows this and, and me as well because I work at a media corporation, you know, and have to, you have to produce effects and you have to produce them quickly and results and yeah, and you just don't feel like it. And I would prefer to do something else. So you take something, some coffee or some sugar or whatever to work. It's self-medication. So I think it's very important that to, to first, of course, understand that it's not healthy, but we also have to, to have a, a clean emotional body and, that's the, this idea of, of, of crowding out. I, I think you also interviewed Edith Ubuntu, Edith Ubuntu Chan. Yeah, she's yeah, talking. She's amazing. And Ex also Dean Radin too. Okay, yeah. yeah. So you, you have exactly the right people there. And, and it's wonderful that there is a network of people who are working in, in the right uh, direction. And Edith exactly uh, has this idea of, of crowding out. So if you are happy, if you are full of beautiful things, you don't need drugs and overeating and all that stuff anymore. It disappears. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Well, you, you hit on a huge point there that I've, I've been curious about, not curious, maybe like study, because I was curious why we still had war. And we look at the way we live and it's very unnatural. Like you take a, a child who's playing outside, then you put them in the box of school, you tell them what to think. Then they get a new box of high school. Then they get the new box of university. Then they get the new cubicle. And then as they work up, they get a bigger cubicle. And so the way that we're living is so unnatural. And it's also, as you put the, the example of the rats, it's antisocial. We're being conditioned more and more to be separate from our environment, from our peers, and they create states. And then we're addicted to those things because, you know, on the little scale, you get the emotional eating is such a, a good point because when you amplify that, that's when you get into the harder drugs because then you need to numb. 
right? It's so, you're so disconnected. But, but when you look outside as somebody who is just like consciously observing, just having a look at the way things are, systematically, it's not ideal. You can create coherence within yourself as an individual cell. It is possible. And that's a lot about what this show is about is creating that self yeah. uh, coherence. However, you look at the at what's happening and, and it's just like the, the mainstream way is incoherent. You know, what you watch on TV is probably not great for you. What they're selling you um, is probably not great for you. And you look and like, you know, the food and what you talked about overeating, it's such an interesting thing because what I think you're talking about is breaking the paradigms of what's possible, the way that you view the world and how we're interacting with it. And when you talked about um, the intermittent fasted turning on different systems, how interesting is that? Like how many latent systems I'm curious we may have when I was down in uh, Guatemala studying with uh, the Mayan elder, having conversations with him at a, at a fire ceremony they were doing in Tikal and uh, I was with a group, but I was mostly there for, to learn from him. And one of the things he shared is like, we believe you have 20 senses. And so as, as we're changing what we put in the body and doing different things, whether it's going out in nature or maybe it's meditating or maybe it's cold training or maybe it's breath or maybe it's a combination, all of them, or maybe it's just uh, sitting down. Um, but, you know, actually, we're, we're, he believes you have 20, 20 senses. So maybe you turn one on and I want to share the example. He said we, he did a gathering of the elders in 95 and he gathered elders from North and South America. And I guess there was a, I don't know how many were there. I think about 200 and it was a crazy hectic story, but there's one really special speaker that they had and they were all excited because this guy had just the best energy. Right. And um, so he said he stayed at his house and he was in Guatemala and he had a shower and the second he turned it off, he got out and he just comes out. He's just like, where do you have a lake? He's like, what? He's like, your water is dead. Where is a lake? And so when you talk about memory and water, the man that he was talking about lived in nature with no electronics, with no nothing, completely on and of the land. And if you think about living five years, 10 years, or your whole life on the land, connected to the earth, to the trees, to the water, to, to the forest, you know, you even feel like that doing for a, a weekend trip. How would that change your consciousness, that energetic connection, your way of being, how many senses you have? And that's the, that's the question for me is like, you know, with your work, like I want to ask you, like, do you think, you know, the breatharianism from your research and you have, you have the study of uh, Dr. Sadir on Mataga, I forget, the names have threw me off. I, I, I'm butchering them, but there's uh, uh, Giri Bala from the Yogananda one. There's, there's, you have so many examples in here and some of them were si under scientific scrutiny. And so did you think it was real? How do you think they did it and how do you think it can benefit us? Because you've, you've alluded to this a little bit, but I do think there's a lot of practical um, application to this. As you said, it's like not to go all the way in, but there is something to be learned here. This is very paramount for how we're thinking. It's a huge shift. You know, if this is real and we can prove it, it changes everything more prominent than the four minute mile or going to, you know, the moon, which were all big leaps is expands our consciousness in a horizon in a big way. Absolutely. So I'm completely convinced that we have an authentic phenomenon. Of course, I do not know if Prahlad Yani really did not eat for 70 years and did not drink for 70 years. Only Prahlad Yani himself knows, but 
that's not the point, you know, if he uh, eats once in a while uh, or drinks uh, every three years, I don't care. It's, it's, not, it's not important um, because what's important to understand is that this uh, materialistic idea that we, we need uh, food to survive, it's... Uh, I think one of the reasons why my film created so much controversy and why uh, breatharianism creates so much controversy is because it questions this materialistic idea on such a basic level. Uh, if you have esoteric ideas, they, they, they are somewhere and they are not really in the world. But if there, there are people who do not have to eat, this really questions this materialistic paradigm on a very basic level. And what, what I saw is that there are different ways we can be nourished. And it's not important. It's not, it's, it, this is not a game or a, a sport. Uh, like you mentioned, uh, we have different senses and in India they call it different city. So the city are, are uh, probably Dean Radin also talked about it, the supernatural abilities that can appear on the yoga path. And they are all superpowers you ever read in any comic. Uh, they are in, in, <laughs> in the Yoga Sutras of Pantanjali and Breatharianism, so that hunger and thirst disappear and you just uh, live by direct chi or direct prana. It's one of the city, but there are so many. And if we understand that matter is just vibrating energy, it suddenly is not that strange anymore that you can go through a wall because actually it's nothing. It's just vibrating energy. And this is not an just an esoteric idea, but this is what modern uh, physics is telling us, uh, that um, matter is frozen light. Once I, I got from the uh, German and Austrian skeptics organization, I, I won the prize for the biggest nonsense of 2011. And I went there and, and <laughs> it, uh, <laughs> I, I took the prize. And <laughs> Take the prize. <laughs> and uh, in, in, in the end, I said, um, that with my film, I, I don't want to motivate anybody that uh, to, to stop eating, but I want to question the materialistic world view. And the materialistic worldview is the religion of these guys, of these so-called skeptics. They are materialists, they are positivists. They believe that only the things are real that, that they can prove with their science, which is completely crazy because science knows nothing, as we know. And in the end, I said, uh, I'm not the only one who questions this materialistic belief system. Max Planck, the founder of modern physics, said, and this is now an original quote, 
as a guy who did research on matter his whole life, he can say so much about matter. Uh, matter as such does not exist. Uh, there is an intelligent uh, mind behind uh, matter that is the matrix of matter. You, you can look up the original quote in, in uh, WikiQuote. You, you find it. So uh, Max Planck, the founder of modern physics, says matter as such does not exist uh, behind matter there is an intelligent consciousness mind that is the, mat uh, the matrix of all matter. Because these, these subatomic particles uh, are not these balls that we, we see in our physics book. And it was very interesting for me to find out because when, when I did my final exams in 1998, in my physics book, there was the uh, atomic model of Niels Bohr. That's the one where you have these little balls in the, in the middle, the protons and the neutrons, and there are little balls around the electrons. And uh, this is how an atom looks, I was told. And it was until my research for in the beginning there was light that I found out that this uh, atomic model of Niels Bohr uh, is outdated since 1926. Because afterwards they found out electrons are not these little balls. Uh, but matter is actually vibrating energy. It's frozen light. And if we have this in mind, suddenly all these superpowers uh, are getting more and more uh, conceivable because it's energy and information. We are energy, information, our surrounding, and this uh, solidness of, of matter is just an illusion of our senses. And that is finally then the bridge to this idea of the yogis that uh, our, our, this, this materialistic manifestation is the maya, the, the big illusion. And if you, if you withdraw your senses from, from this, from this uh, maya, then you can look behind it. Yeah, man, all of that is, is super fascinating. One more, I just have to talk to you, my wife. Mina, I've been at the Facebook Live. Yeah, you know, the, the materialistic... Yeah, life again. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. Well, you know, family, man, they got to be there. Um, but yeah, the, it's, you've, you're touching on so many points. And one of the things I want to kind of move into was like the idea of intermittent fasting and, um, you know, how can we use this information to improve the quality of our lives? When I've gone down the, the rabbit holes of meditation and peak performance and what the human is capable of, that's what I like seeing stories of. When I was training with the Shaolin monks, you know, I was curious, is it possible to break stone, to break iron like they were doing? And they were doing it, but their training was superhuman. It was simple. They were poking trees all day to dent holes in trees and using chi and directing energy because um, there are tricks. There are fake 
um, there are fakes out there, you know, magicians and things like that. And, and one of the things I've realized in my research is what, a, what black magic is, is when somebody does a magic trick, convincing you it's real. So it's like saying, I'm a breatharianism, but I sneak some, somehow a different way, you know what I mean? Get the food in somehow. And there are cases of that where I think that the person was not honest, but there's also cases where I think, you know what, that's honest. Like with the Shaolin monks, I would looked up close. I, I try to see if there's any tricks. I watch what they're doing and you look at their training and then it makes sense how this extraordinary thing becomes possible, but their way of life is absolutely so different than ours. And the takeaway that I received was just life. <laughs> the, the takeaway that I got was to give myself a worthy goal and, and work that hard towards it like they did for that one simple idea. So, um, you know, when we, when you do intermittent fasting, what is happening is that a lot of people and even fasting, they talk about a clarity of mind and I've fasted and I've had that same thing. This clarity of mind has just become lighter. Maybe it turns on different systems and, uh, Ramadan just happened in my, Barber is a, he does my beard and it's amazing. I don't like going anywhere else. Um, but you know he was doing it and I said he was about twenty days in. I said, how do you feel? They don't eat. I think it was like sixteen hours a, the day they don't eat. He wakes up at four a.m., gets breakfast, and can eat at ten p.m. Or, or something like that. And he said, honestly, man, I feel great. I have more energy. Normally, I need a coffee. I need this and that. He's like, I am feeling amazing. And so now there's this whole world of intermittent fasting, and I know you know a lot about this. So. In this world where it seems like, okay, if you entertain the idea, it's possible to live on light. What have you learned that we can adopt for practices to improve our mindset, our performance, our experience on this planet? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I always say just uh, uh, trust your own experiences. Uh, and on all levels, not only with fasting, but with telepathy and, and whatever, because during my research, I also came and I mean, Dean Radin probably told you about that too, because there is also a lot of interesting evidence, but I also was in, in, in uh, have been to China, for example, they, where they, the, the Chinese military did a lot of research with supernatural powers. And also the uh, U.S. military did. I, I spoke with Hal Putoff, for example, who was the director of the project Stargate, where they they uh, trained psychic spies. And he said, uh, everybody who really did research on remote viewing know that it does exist. And Rupert Sheldrake also did a lot of research about this idea, for example, uh, of telepathy. You know, when, when somebody says, you know, I, I knew that you called me, then the normal explanation is, okay, you thought, you think about this uh, hundreds of th times, and when it happens, then uh, you remember it. It's just selective uh, perception. But under scientific conditions, they find out there is a clear statistical effect and in the project stargate uh, from the u.s military they found clear evidence that there is a, a, a real supernatural effect so uh, science uh, often tries to explain away these things and i always say trust your own experiences don't care about what somebody says is possible 
or not. It's more important that it works. For example, uh, homeopathy in, in Austria, they, they just uh, threw out the only professor for homeopathy at the uh, University of Vienna because they say it's pseudoscientific. But I say, if people uh, are healed, then where is the problem? They, they, they only don't, perhaps, perhaps it's the placebo effect, but what is the placebo effect? It's the evidence for uh, faith healing, for healing with our minds. But perhaps it's not only the placebo effect, but even more, and we just don't understand the, the mechanism behind it. So um, there is a lot of arrogance in, in many scientists. And... Oh, yeah, I just wanted to say something because that reminded me is that, um, you know, you look at the placebo effect, but you talked about science and science can only measure what we have now with the tools that they have. And um, that's it. So it's adapting, you know, we're, we're changing the models of the world. But what you're speaking of, the challenge is that these great institutions um, have an idea that they're holding. And if there's information outside that messes up that paradigm, there's a lot of money, there's a lot of history, so they don't adapt quickly. It's not something that they're easily going to let go of, and they're more likely going to hold on and drive that right into the ground until, you know, there's, there's nothing else, rather than moving forward and taking new understanding, new ideas. And the placebo effect um, is an incredible uh, thing. It's incredible research. And so what you're speaking about is merging the two worlds, and I think that's important. We want yeah. Western science, but we also want to open our eyes to new possibilities, new paradigms, and how do we merge those together to have the greatest possible result because again i think that what you're alluding to is we don't know really like like we know a bit of a bit once we kind of learn one tiny thing that fractals to like a hundred you know and that's kind of what i've learned through different experiences and through like you know meditative experiences where i had very profound experiences where it goes beyond just local mind sometimes i say non-local mind and all it did was give me a billion more questions, like one kind of an answer, but it's just like, you are in the mystery. You're, there's yeah. no way you're figuring, this is not possible. So when you learn this, this is good, but it's gonna be infinite. So I think that that's the play we need, and I, it would be great if the institutions adopted that, but that's not uh, the way that they're going with it. Yeah, yeah, ab ab absolutely. There is this book, The Halftime of Facts, and uh, it says that every 45 years, Half of the so-called facts of science are in 45 years, just a crazy idea. But it, it's that strange that all the time people think what science says now is the truth. And it, it, it really happened, it changes very quickly because I remember 10 years ago, all the doctors said to me, fasting is nonsense. Now the Nobel Prize came out for, for autophagy in 2016 and suddenly fasting is the greatest thing we, we, we have. So it is, it, it is quickly changing and um, the, the scientists are like the, the modern priests. Uh, Brian Josephson uh, said to me, he, he's a physics Nobel Prize winner and, and he said that mainstream science works like the church a few hundred years ago. You, you have these uh, clerics that decide what is the truth and 
they decide what's written in the holy books, the peer-reviewed journals, and anybody who dares to speak out against this truth is excommunicated out of the Church of, of Science. And this this really, really happens. And uh, yeah, materialism is like a modern belief system. And it's important to question this belief system and uh, just... Uh, trust in in life because yeah as, uh, as 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 we already said we know nothing you know since the end end of the 90s they they found out that science only was dealing with four percent of matter and energy in the universe and these four percent uh, also are explained with two theories, quantum theory and relativity theory, that do not fit together. So they, they do not have a unified formula for these 4%, and the 96% that are dark energy and dark matter, we hardly know anything about it. There is this saying about dark matter we know nothing, and about dark energy we know less than nothing and it's everywhere it's in us and around us and yeah and there's still this question of what is life energy so if anybody says breatharianism cannot exist because it does not, does not fit in our scientific theories i say that does not mean anything it has no relevance yeah, yeah, I definitely agree. It's it's so fascinating. Like, you know, you can take a simple example, like the four minute mile is impossible, or even let's say 10 years before the plane, 20 years before the plane, you know, you look at cell phones. And I remember reading an article a long time ago, I'm talking about the, uh, the, let's not tell it the exponential effect of technology and how it's leaping. You know, it's, these are, these are greater and more profound effects in consciousness and science. And the thing is we haven't grown up emotionally as a society or, you know, like intellectually, we don't even have the, as a culture, the values that you would instill on your children. We still have war, famine, greed, and all these different things. And so we get these next level uh, toys like bigger guns and nuclear weapons. You push a button. Now we're all dead through dispute at the playground. You know what I mean? You know, this guy wore something that I don't like. They believe something that, you know, I don't believe. And we have these massive issues. Um, but one of the things you can comment that on that, but one of the things I want to make sure that we touch on is intermittent fasting is blowing up. So I'm just curious if you can give us like the simple play by play on how do you intermittent fast okay, and why yeah. the heck would you want to do it? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So uh, there are different uh, ways of intermittent fasting, but the easiest one that I do every day is 16-8. So I can eat eight, eight hours and 16 hours just drinking. So water or tea, uh, even, you can even drink black coffee, but no sugar, no milk, uh, just liquids without calories. Uh, that's the 16 hours and uh, you can choose if you want to dinner cancel or leave away the breakfast I mean it's important in the evening uh, I go to bed around 12 and I stop eating at 8 and so I, I can start eating again at 12 the next day normally I 
prolong my fasting until one or two. So it's better if you do 18 hours of fasting or 20 hours of fasting. And it's very easy. If, if your body uh, get, gets used to it, there is no hunger anymore. And the, the funny thing is that you feel more energized. So why do you want to do it? Uh, because uh, <clears throat> it needs up to 20, uh, 10, 11 hours until the the body starts to to increase this this uh, um, condition of autophagy in the in the cell what is this uh, autophagy is greek and means eating yourself that that sounds very bad but actually it isn't because the 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 cells uh, the cell uh, starts to to eat the or or recycle uh, the waste products in the cell. So we have to keep in mind every cell is is is, is a being or an own own organism, and in all uh, uh, when life happens, there is also waste. And if you just put the waste on the street and there's nobody coming to clean this, then this is the, the, the ground for uh, illnesses and for a lot of problems. And when we eat in the evening and then the next day eating breakfast, our, our cells never really are able to clean up all the waste products. And Alzheimer, for example, is one of the illnesses that is clearly connected with eating too much and, and not, not having these fasting phases. Uh, cancer. Uh, but in, in this uh, condition of autophagy, the cells even start to eat uh, bad bacteria or viruses or anything like that. So meanwhile, there is a lot of evidence how good this is for, for our health. And that uh, there's also a lot of evidence that um, we, we age less, so we stay younger. And it's also, it also shows that, that we are getting happier. We, we are happier, uh, our, our psychological condition is getting better. And uh, there is uh, the, the Nobel Prize 2017 was for the, uh, I think the English name is Circadian Code for the Inner Watch. And how important this is and it's it's also very funny because these two nobel prizes uh are now giving credit to this fact that we are not machines because a machine works all the time but organism uh, organisms work in cycles we need a time to sleep we we wake up we have a time to eat but we also need time to fast. And it's very important that we, we give our, our body uh, time to rest and not uh, eat all the time because uh, our, our cells need this time to clean up and, and to, 
to rest. And it, it is really very easy. So it's just an idea. I, I need energy. If I, if I don't eat, I, I, I uh, don't get enough energy. No, you, you get enough energy. You, you, you have a lot of energy if, if you eat in this eight hours. Yeah, well, I appreciate you sharing all that. I, I've heard of uh, very similar things. It's interesting because I've I've seen uh, I haven't looked too much into intermittent fasting. Like I've had a bunch of discussions on it, but not you know really deep dive on on the science and why you do it. I just know some of the protocols. And uh, naturally, I've actually been moving towards that recently without even knowing it. I've just started skipping breakfast. I don't get hungry till the afternoon, and so I just leave it. And then it's been it's been working out. Absolutely. So. It, it, it was something I, I wanted to do all the time, but I, I heard you, you have to eat breakfast. Breakfast is the most important right, thing yep. of the day. And okay, so I ate something. And it was really a big relief to, to get this study because our, our head and our mind often messes with us. And then we, we do not trust in our instincts and what our body is telling us because somebody says you have to because so now i'm i'm a lot more relaxed and i just eat when when i'm hungry and you are able to to set your inner clock uh, as well and uh, of course it's important to get a lot of daylight when it's sunny and not too much uh, artificial light when it's night so uh, there are a lot of uh, helpful routines um, that we can use and the funny thing is when we start with a healthy routine it's get, getting easier and easier to to start other healthy routines on the other way around it's the same thing uh, unhealthy routines attract more unhealthy routines Right. Yeah. And when you're sharing that, what it makes me kind of think about is like the body working overtime. Like if you eat so much food and you break it down to a cellular level and you're always putting in this food, your body always has to do something. So you're feeling lethargic and less energy. And I've noticed when I fasted, you know, I'll do a one day um, here and there, but sometimes I'll do three um, push to like five. And, and the hardest thing for me when I do it is thinking about food. It's the addiction to eating. It's not even the hunger. There definitely Absolutely. is a hunger period where I'm like, I'm hungry, I'm hungry. And then all of a sudden it's like not even hungry. I'm just bored. I'm just yeah. like, I can go make something. It tastes good. And again, like, I think that, you know, my partner's just like, why would you not want to eat? You know, she likes baked goods and, and things like that. And eating is pleasurable and it's nice and it's nice to have good meals yeah. and you sit down. It just seems like culturally we're overdoing it. You know, like when we went to France and I was like, well, everybody's eating and smoking cigarettes, but they're fit, but you get the dessert. It's a little tiny dessert. You know, they give me a coffee. It's a little tiny coffee. I come back to Canada and I'm like, give me the large. And I'm like guzzling this thing, with, you know, the two, the hat with the two, um, friggin beer cozies on them or something we just overdo it yeah exactly that, that, that that's the point and do it do, do it consciously then then it's even the 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 bad stuff uh is producing something good because my my experience is when we are doing the bad stuff consciously then suddenly uh, it it uh loses the the uh, the attraction I remember when I stopped smoking, I, I smoked a lot and I did it very consciously. And this gave me the, the possibility to, to leave it because I, I looked 
what it's giving me because of of course it's giving me something because I wouldn't do it if if it there isn't something positive but you also have to look uh, what you pay what you have to pay for and if it's not good for you then you 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 see that you pay a lot more than you get and so even if when we eat chunk consciously uh too much sugar or anything like that it, it doesn't taste good anymore it normally it does just tastes good when we do it unconsciously yeah yeah and you know one of the last questions i want to get in there before um i let you go is do you you know i, I had a lot of people who do a 10 day like a five day fast a 10 day fast a 21 day fast and i had uh dr henry morse on the podcast and he's yeah. a really excellent guy and i asked him once i was like he's helped a lot of people with terminal illnesses you know cancer like really big ones brain tumors and i go okay i'm coming into you and i'm frigged up i'm like maximum you know terrible debilitating disease could be cancer could be a massive brain tumor what do you give me and he goes 40 days grapes that was his answer he goes 40 days just grapes um now i know people who've done five day fast 10 day fast 21 day fast and they all talk about the mental clarity i definitely experienced the mental clarity only doing three days i think i made it to four or five days once it was like i, I caved somewhere at a dinner i think it was like four um, but I remember after two, three days, always like I, that's all I need for a reset. Do you find value in that? Do you recommend that? Do you know anything about those like longer ones? Absolutely. I do. I do one week fastings, but then I need, uh, I, 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 at least I'm not able to do it in my everyday job mm -hmm. because as, as, as I said, it, it needs a lot of, uh, peace of mind and when i'm relaxed i can do this and as you said it's not that i'm missing the physical energy it's the 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 problem that i start thinking about food all the time and when i have to to produce results at the same moment and uh just thinking about food it just doesn't work out you know uh it it, it I need time for, for myself and when I'm relaxed in nature, then it works very good. But when I'm at work, I, it works very well with intermittent fasting because then I know in four hours I will eat again and that, that works out. But longer fast just in holidays. And then it's very, very valuable, of course. Yeah, I had the same experience. The only time I've been able to do longer ones is by myself because like yeah. there's just so much stimulus and stuff going on. I was like, oh, this is so hard. Um, yeah, man, that's amazing. So is there anything that you wish that I had asked you or you want to talk about? Oh, we, we talked about a lot of stuff and I think it's, it's good now because people have to digest this. So if anybody uh, looked through this whole uh, video, thank you for the for the attention that's a lot of stuff and i think it's it's very important because as you said we 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 are these cells in 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 society and we we, we create more health the more cells are healthy the more healthy is the, the whole system and i really think this this ideology of material uh, materialism so uh, that we are just the single beings and we have to uh, get a lot of stuff to to thrive uh, that's not healthy for society it, it creates 
uh, war in the end. And one, one of the messages I bring in, in the end of, of my film is what Dean Radin says and Amit Goswami, that on, a, on the consciousness level, we are connected. And when we experience this in meditation, for example, that, that we are connected, then, then suddenly it does not make sense anymore to, to make a war because it's war against ourselves. So uh, I, I really think that this, this naturalistic paradigm produces a, a lot of disharmony in, in our world. It, it, on a, on a evolutionary level, it made sense, but now we are over it. So uh, it, 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 it helped us to, to create technology and all that stuff, but now we, we can move on. So we don't, do not have to stay there. We, we can use this and add, add up the, the spiritual uh, consciousness part now. And this this will help our society a lot if if we uh, experience that we are connected on a very deep level and that we we can focus on our uh, human strength because I think one of the good things about technology is that now robots and artificial intelligence could do all the unpleasant stuff, all the machine stuff. And we could uh, really do the things we can do best, uh, that things that uh, uh, need our soul, need our mind, our human touch. And yeah, this this is my my uh, my idea how it could work out. Of course, it could go also in the other direction, like Matrix and Terminator and that stuff. But I hope we we manage it in the other direction. Yes, me too. I, I completely agree, and I ho- I like the idea of people just understanding that we're connected and and moving towards you know peace. I think that's. Yeah. That's the next big, big upgrade in humanity is peace. It's just, it's uh, that Peace simple. of mind and yourself and then yeah. on the society level. A hundred percent. Well, I appreciate you coming on and your work and sharing everything that you did. Where can people find the documentary if they want to dive deeper? And as a bonus question, what's the most important thing that you've learned from studying this thing that's supposed to be impossible? Is the same question that I, well, a different one when I was with the Shaolin monk, he could break a uh, stone with two fingers, bigger pieces over his head. And, um, you know, I was like, what's the trick? You know, he's just like, no trick. You know what I mean? And the biggest thing that I learned, it was that the, it was the persistence and dedication to poking the tree and using the energy. And that's when I knew that no matter what I did in my life, you know, that would be, no matter what I did in my life, if I applied a, like a third of that dedication, I'm going to, I'm going to have it. So I'm just curious, what's the most, and it was superhuman. I told them in the interview, I was like, most people will think this is not real, that this is not possible. Most people don't believe breatharianism is possible. And it's not about not eating. The idea is about what a human is capable of, how we rethink about our world. So, so yeah, leave it to you. <laughs> <laughs> 
the most uh, important thing uh, that I learned during this whole process was actually that I, I came out of this little box I lived in. So I, I lived in this little cardboard box and I, I, I found a way out and you know, it, it's so big and uh, yeah, this, this was wonderful. To, to find out that there's so much more than, than I, I imagined. And sometimes I got glimpses of that, but I, I cannot bring it back to everyday life. But just experiencing this is enough to transform my life. And I, I, I hope that I, I'm able to inspire uh, people and my my film is is just an inspiration to to other people to to believe in their own uh, super human abilities and i always say it's it's not important to see that somebody else uh, is able to do wonders how we we are wonders we 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 are wonders wrapped up in chemicals and uh, that's the important things. Every human being is a wonder. Every animal is, is a wonder. So if we, if we could see this day by day, life would be so beautiful. Of course, that's, that's hard. But to remember this all the time makes life so much uh, easier. Because... 99999% is perfect and everything. And there's just this little tiny thing that we, we create uh, in, with our ego brain that, that creates disorder. So yeah, what, what I learned probably was the peace of mind that I, I got through meditation and, and some uh, glimpses of understanding. Uh, how big this always amazing and so where can people watch the documentary or get a hold of you if they want to learn more lightdocumentary.com uh, there you can read a lot of articles about the backstory and also watch the film uh, on Vimeo on demand and uh, or uh, order the DVD it's all on lightdocumentary.com awesome well, PA, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate you. I appreciate your work um, hitting the fringes and doing a complete documentary that I was very curious about. So you, uh, you took away three years or four years of my life. I don't have to research my own because you did it for me. So uh, thanks for diving down that mystery and doing what you're doing. And uh, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks, Matt. It was wonderful. And thanks for what you're doing. Yeah, appreciate it, man. All right, guys. Thanks Bye. for watching. See you in the next one. Bye-bye. Peace. All right, guys, that wraps up that amazing episode with P.A. Straubinger. If you want to dive deeper, make sure to check out his full documentary in the beginning. There was light. It is very, very fascinating. So what do you think? Is breatharianism possible? It is a very out there concept. And I think that few people, I, th I think, have been able to reach that height. I don't think it's a very common thing. I think it's probably a level of mastery. But it is interesting um, to open up these ideas. And for me, you know, exploring the autobiography of a yogi in that work 
and what is possible. But I liked uh, PA's idea of like, you know, you don't have to really necessarily believe in that, but you can look at, you know, our relationship to food and the environment and the connection and collecting information from the ether and how we do absorb energy and information and really open up the ideas of just possibility and what the human mind and body is capable of. So very, very fascinating episode. Um, Be sure to do your own research, check it out, open up your mind. But uh, man, just a really fascinating deep dive and something that I was super curious about and his documentary explores all of that even deeper. So if you want to dive deeper, definitely check out his podcast. Um, If you enjoyed it, please leave a review in iTunes. Please share this episode tag me at matt belair let me know where you're listening out in the world um if you want to support on patreon go to patreon.com forward slash matt belair toss a buck in the bucket anything helps even a buck it really goes a long way to support the show and keep this thing going if for those of you guys who want to explore some coaching or speaking and you're really looking to uncover your life purpose break through limitations demystify peak performance and learn the tools systems and strategies of the world's elite performers and entrepreneurs uh, for the every day joe this is applicable to everyone you just have to go through the process it is learnable it is teachable and it does actually create fantastic results so if you're interested in that hit me up matt at zenathlete.com and i will happily help you out so i think that wraps it up i thank you so much for listening i appreciate it i appreciate your time hope that you're having a lovely day and so let's just come to a, a state of Uh, peace and coherence before we wrap it up so wherever you are in the world just stop what you're doing take in a deep breath in through your nose hold that breath and just let it out slowly filling every cell and every muscle and every fiber of your being with peace joy contentment empowerment connection confidence and ready to take on the rest of the day so thank you so much for listening and i will see you in the next episode